MCVO Talent Outsource Services helps small businesses reduce cost by providing exceptional talent from the Philippines. With companies struggling to remain viable, open-minded companies are hiring offshore bookkeepers, virtual assistants, telemarketers, customer support, and digital marketers. Their post-production services for photographers and videographers are impressive, and they'll help reduce expenses across the board. Visit them at mcvotalent.com and listen to the podcast for their co-founder, Mark Zucker, on episode 7 and 53. Next up on Visual Wow. That you really do have one life to use and one life to lose. And how you are responding to this season, I think, is really going to determine your fulfillment in the long term. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartsman. Welcome back, Visual community. I am Jack Hartsman, your host, and today here with Gabrielle Boche, the Purpose Company. Welcome to the program. Gabrielle, you are a dynamic young woman. You have changed uh, a lot of people's lives. Uh, the Purpose Company focused on millennials, from what I can tell, a father of two millennials. You, you seem to be focused on directing and finding the inner strength in people to help further their cause, paying it forward, if you will. Give me a little bit of backstory on, on how you got to where you are and uh, your trials and tribulations that make you who you are. Sure. So I started off when I was 17 years old. I wrote my first book about millennials. And sometimes people assume, oh, wow, you must have been really good at English. You must have been really driven. You must have knew what you were doing with your life. None of that was was the case. I'm, uh, five, I was five foot nine, had more braces than teeth, didn't have a lot of uh, social options going on. And so I kind of took a curiosity and turned it into an expertise at an early age. So I wrote my first book about millennials at 17, went into college, ended up studying both religion and politics. So the two things you're not supposed to talk about in polite conversation, but always really fascinated with what made my generation tick. And oftentimes when people ask me, you know, what should I do or what should I focus on or how should I specifically help people? I'll oftentimes ask this question that I asked and answered myself at a young age. And it was, what do you see in the world that other people don't see? What have you overcome that you can help other people overcome? And so for me, I was always complaining that people were discriminating against people who were young. They were frustrated with people who were young. Everyone was talking about kids these days and how entitled millennials were. And so I took that frustration that I noticed everybody asking the question, not having the right answer to it, and turned it into something that I've certainly been able to build a business around and been able to help a lot of organizations around the world. So I still remember my big kind of aha moment. I was at a conference. Someone dared me to write a book. I did. That was my second book. Wrote it at 23. And that book kind of leveraged me and launched me into being America's millennial expert who was a millennial. At the time, a lot of people are talking about millennials. Not anyone was really a millennial. And it was just a lot of professional complaining. And so kind of looking at the opportunity where it was, realizing that there was a lot of opinion and not a lot of action, I decided to take my experience, turn that into expertise. And here we are about eight years later, having created an international organization, worked with everyone from Expedia, Comcast, Microsoft, Microsoft, 
uh, the United States Navy, the United States Air Force, Department of Interior. We've been able to develop and lead change in a lot of really great organizations that I'm really proud of. So you have built up a tremendous following and I give you great props for how you've done it, how quickly you've uh, accomplished these goals and and found your own trajectory to get to where you are. Um, I work in the live events industry. That's kind of where the core of our of our listeners are, and uh, between that and professional photography. But but we have guests who come in that that touch a lot of our audience, and you clearly fit into that into that uh, p- part of the audience. Um, tell me what it's been like with the people that follow you. Well, you know, relatively religiously, you've got quite a following going. What has breaking apart from the touring circuit, from the podiums, from the corporate conferences. How have you felt that separation affecting you from your guests or, or what are they saying to you, the millennials that are looking for you for guidance? Yeah, I, I like that question a lot. I, and I don't know if anyone's asked me that question. So thank you, Jack. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. I, I like to come up with those things that are out of left field. Well, I appreciate it. I think it's really insightful because I think as someone who spends so much of my time on the road, and I know that your listeners in the event space can experience that, that we get so used to the addiction of the high of the event. There's the building up to it, then crap hitting the fan, then executing, then being proud. And we're just crazy enough to do it all over again the next week. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So we, we get into this rhythm of expecting the unexpected. And then we were all thrown into this world of the pandemic where everything was unexpected. And so I think a lot of us, and, and I don't think it's just this industry. I think every industry was really in stun mode. Everyone was sitting and waiting for direction, for conclusions, for clarity. And, and I think through it all, I really recognized the kind of my mantra during that, that season last year was really, I could either be uh, be bitter or I could be grateful. And that was really a choice for me to go into it, to recognize I could either be frustrated that the thing that I love to do, which is speaking and presenting, and, and I call speaking consulting standing up. So I'm really focused on how do I solve people's problems? If you're going to invest in me as a speaker coming in, I want you to have three takeaways that you can apply tomorrow. So that becomes really addicting to knowing that you're helping people. But rather than being bitter that that platform has gone, really looking for, in a, in a sense of gratitude, to recognize that this is a new era and that you can really pivot. And I think that that's kind of been the theme for a lot of professionals in this last year is how well did you pivot? Did you pivot backwards into, you know, waiting for things to return to normal, which that normal is what a lot of people hated. They're like, I hate, you know, my normal job or I hate my normal commute or I hate my normal day at work. And now everyone is really just trying to turn back to that, the normalcy of, of 2019. But I think it really caused me to recognize that content is king, even more so that the platform of being on a platform and speaking at a conference or the platform of Zoom or, or Clubhouse or LinkedIn, um, it really just depended upon me. If I was going to be committed to helping people, it's on me to find platforms to do that and not expect people to create a platform for me. So have you found that people, I mean, I, I know people who have a physical reaction to the word pivot because they find pivot to be like compromise or stepping back. And I feel that, you know, uh, maybe another synonym might be, I hate to use the word survival, but 
I find that in most professional businesses, I work in the hospitality industry and we were the first ones to get hit and we'll probably be the last ones to really come back. And and when I say hospitality, anybody that deals with one-on-one people-to-people business, touchy-feely kind of stuff, restaurants, entertainment, weddings, anything in that music kind of industry. And and I think pivoting is how to use your skill set to further your career so that you can breathe. We are not wired to be alone. We're just not, I mean, the word depression and the word creative don't belong in the same sentence. Um, clearly, you and I come from that same cut of the world where we're warm fuzzies. We like to communicate. We, we like to share with others. Um, I, I'm sharing with our listening audience that in our pre-conversation we had, we both grew up in the Bay Area of California. You lived here on the East Coast where I'm from. Now you're in Dallas. I mean, clearly our paths are similar. Um, and and I think as we as we start to see COVID-19 in our rearview mirrors, I think part of us, if, if not many of us, are trying to figure out, well, do I want to go? I've had a year to think about what I did last year, what I did in 2019, 2018. Do I really want to go back to that? Or do I want to be that workaholic? Do I want to work harder? Do I want to work with the same people? Do I want to work in the same industry? What are you finding from your people? I think that those big life questions are the questions that have been forefront for really the last 12 months. Very much to your point, I think COVID has caused people because they have more white space on their calendar to really be asking some of life's biggest questions. And and I think looking at, at this last year, again, with that lens of gratitude to say, I'm so thankful that I wasn't having to take my kids to and from school or having to commute all the time or be on the road. I've been home. I've been stationary and asking some of those, those questions, not just, you know, the big purpose question of why am I here, but do I like what I'm doing? Is this what I feel like is the highest and best use of what I'm capable of? And I think a lot of times we push down those feelings of, of greatness that we could be doing something more because we try and have, uh, we justify it with really responsible sounding excuses. Things like I'm too old or I'm already established in this industry or I'm already known as the this guy or the that girl. And we use these responsible sounding excuses to stay stuck rather than grow. And as humans, we're designed to be moving forward. We are designed to be challenged. We are designed to to get bored if we're eating the same thing, doing the same thing, thinking the same thing. And and I think this last year has really caused a lot of people to really question their trajectory. And I think in a a really important way that I think is going to improve the industry overall. Because if you have complacency in inside of an organization, it's really due to people not thinking outside of the box of not being the problem solvers that they're essentially paid to be. I mean, every industry, every job inside of the industry is a problem solving job. There's a problem, it needs a solution. And so when you start to get comfortable, you, you start to um, soften that edge of your ability to problem solve for other people. That's why when you're new in a position, you have lots of questions, you come in with new ideas, you start questioning the process or the protocol and say, why is it this way? Why isn't it, why isn't it that way? When you're new in it, to, to an industry, new to a job, new to a client, you have kind of those fresh eyes and you can kind of take on that critical eye to, to improve the way things are done. Um, so that's kind of my my hope. And as I'm working with 
with clients who go through our programs is really helping them think differently about their life, that you really do have one life to use and one life to lose. And how you are responding to this season, I think is really going to determine your fulfillment in the long term. So to some of my inner circle who are watching this, I just see them showing up on Facebook right now. um, And they're saying, oh, Jack, don't step on a landmine. Don't go down the millennial road and get obnoxious. Let me ask you directly. Jump on it. No, no, I can't because my kids will know that I'm talking about them. Um, Gabrielle, what do we say? By the way, this goes to (laughs) millennials, whether they're 25 or 55 right now. Um, That was a pun, by the way. Um, What do you say to the millennial that is, I don't want to use the word take advantage to a literal, I mean it literally, not obnoxiously. What do you say to millennials that have become complacent after a year of not working and they're getting so much money on unemployment that it really makes it hard to see past unemployment, having a reason to get back into the workforce or focusing on their vocation or their business or their job that they used to have because the job hasn't come back 100%. Maybe the job is, you know, they worked in the restaurant industry or they worked in something in hospitality and the faucet is just trickling. How do, you, how do you encourage young people to get more engaged with the workforce when when they're sitting at home and enjoying, by the way, I really do mean this for millennials, for Gen X, for boomers, from everybody, sure. to get off the couch, get past the unemployment check, and realize this is going to be over sometime in the not too distant future. Sure. I think that many folks who are either finding themselves in transition in their career by choice or by force, they're really being kind of put in a position where they're having to, you know, react to the circumstances around them. I think that there are plenty of people, and I think you pointed out millennial or not, who are taking advantage of a situation where they're either being supported by unemployment, by a partner, by a parent, that they're choosing to not respond to the situation as a challenge. They're, they're choosing to respond to the situation as an entitlement. But it's also really interesting. Over the last four months, I've had over 400 phone calls with millennials who have self-selected and said, I'm in transition. I need help. I'm looking for my purpose. Right. And every single phone call that I've talked to an individual who's between the ages of 25 and 40, every single person said that they wanted one thing, and that was freedom. They said they wanted time freedom. They wanted financial freedom. They wanted freedom from an overbearing boss. They wanted freedom to be able to make decisions for themselves. And I found it extremely interesting that this is a generation that is oftentimes considered extremely entitled, who doesn't want to do anything, who just expects everything, that they have a desire that really matches what I hear from a lot of other people, that most people I talk to, they want to have freedom as well. It's what... uh, what, Come, what does freedom come on the other side of? Is right. it hard work? Is it retirement? Is it uh, winning the lottery? Is it cashing out of your 401k? Whatever that looks like. That's where I think that we see a lot of disagreement between the generations. But I, as I've been talking to these millennials and interviewing them, doing research on them and certainly helping them and coaching them through our programs, is I've really learned that this is a generation that does want to give back, does want to have do something, want to do something of meaning. But I think that the difference is that this younger generation really sees their job as a platform to use their purpose. And they see it as a necessity rather than a nice to have. 
And I think that expectation is what's causing many of us to stay out of the workforce longer because we don't want to jump in just to have a job, especially if that job can be replaced by income from somewhere else. Well, I think, I thought you were going to go one more sentence deeper in that. And one of the biggest generation gap issues that I have found in the last decade and, and respectfully when I left my 40s and entered my 50s is that when when I was in my 20s, I was already an entrepreneur. I already owned my own business. And my focus in life was to make that business as good as it could be, as great as it could be, because I wasn't looking over my shoulder. I was going to take that widget and I was going to go and I was going to, well, I, I cut two records when I was in high school. I thought I was going to put the Rolling Stones out of business. That didn't pan out. So on my next career, my expectations were not quite so high, but I never looked back. I never, I was never like saying, oh, I'll do this for three years and I'll jump out. And I think one of the toughest things, especially in my industry, in the in the photographic or in the events community is that we embrace young people to, to bring us their creativity, their talent, their energy, um, their imagination. Mm -hmm. And yet we always get the feeling that they've got one foot on the train and one foot on the platform. They're looking for the next thing because everybody feels like I hate to, I hate to use the millennial cliche about entitlement, but you know, it just always seems that they expect a six figure career stepping into their entry level position. They've never worked a day in their life. They watch the clock to hit four fifty nine because five o'clock is right, is right around the corner. How do we get past that mode to, to focus millennials into realizing, get great, get great. And when you get great at whatever, it will take you other places. You don't necessarily have to worry about looking for the other places in the interim. How do we do that? Or, or do you not agree with me? I'm open for the banter. No, I appreciate it. Jack, I like you. This is fun. Um, <laughs> I, I, Completely. Thank you for that, by the way. My daughter, my daughter said, Dad, please don't embarrass me. So oh, I, I appreciate that. That is very sweet. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, number one, I do agree with you. I absolutely do. I think that there is an expectation that is oftentimes not set in reality for my generation. I had a very abnormal experience in some regards and a very normal experience coming, coming of age. I had parents who uh, wanted to give me the best growing up. And I think every parent wants to make sure that their kids are taken care of and they have uh, a better experience. I mean, most parents would walk over hot coal so that their kids could uh, avoid some of the pain and the frustrations that you as a parent experienced. And my parents certainly did the same for me. But what was abnormal is, whereas most of my colleagues were having their, were going to college or had their their college paid for, my parents were separating, eventually getting a divorce, having our, our home foreclosed upon. It, there was just so many, so much turmoil around my life when I was going into my early twenties that I decided to go out on my own. I moved across the country without any relationships, any money, nothing. Slept on a floor, started my own company at twenty three. Had. Uh, kind of a, an older mentality when it came to no one's taking care of me. I better take care of myself. Sure. And I, I only say that to give context that that, that example I just gave was the norm for my parents' generation it was probably the norm even for, even for you. And that there wasn't an expectation that if things didn't work out, you could move home with your parents. That's very different now. And I have a really hard time with people in my industry who blame parents for why millennials are the way that they are. 
I don't think that's helpful, number one, because you're not causing my generation to take responsibility. I'm 32 years old. Millennials are as old as 39. We're, we're adults now. We can't keep blaming mom and dad for why we're so entitled. However, I do think it's interesting and kind of the why conversation, what's shaped our expectations, is that we are a generation that was raised in very democratic homes where We were telling our parents what we wanted to eat for dinner, where we wanted to go on vacation, what color we wanted to paint our room, what color we wanted to paint their room. And so because of that, there has been um, an equality expectation millennials even have with their bosses. Whereas before there was a structure of leadership, decision-making, et cetera, that older generations were in charge, younger generations just did what the older generation said that they should do. It was this distance. It was, I'm the boss, my door closed, my name's on the door, and I have a parking spot. Well, now the shared office community is where, you know, the intern and the CEO are sitting next to each other, or you can tweet at your boss or text him. Just the the layers of decision-making, I think, and kind of the visual representation of respect has really diminished in our modern society. And so I, I see my generation not not seeing the traditional career ladder the same way because it just isn't visually represented the same way. Also too, many of our heroes in our generation are the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world or the Justin Biebers who were discovered on YouTube. And so we see these people and elevate these people as these heroes in our generation who call their own success luck that we think it's just a matter of time before we ourselves are discovered. So I think it's really no wonder that we do have one foot in, one foot out, because we're always wondering, what else could I be doing? Because FOMO, what we oftentimes joke around, this fear of missing out, is actually psychologically a huge challenge, and that's a huge crisis in my generation, is we've never been taught how to find something, stick to it, and become really great at it. Okay, you just like, you just became my poster favorite person, okay? Because, because, no, because I deal with this stuff day in and day out. I love mentoring people. I have mentored, I don't know, probably 200 photographers in my career. And I always tell people, it come for me for love of the camera, not for love of money. If you find love for the camera and I can help you project and produce, the money will come along with it. Sure. But your, your, your point is so well taken that there is this level of lack of patience. I guess that's what it really comes down to, that we as those in, the, in our 40s and 50s, if you will, as the majority of people who are hiring millennials are 10 to 15 or 20 years older than the millennial. Mm -hmm. So we just want someone to sink their teeth into it, roll their sleeves up and get dirty. Just, just learn the craft, whatever it might be underwater basket weaving. It doesn't matter. It's just, just sweat a little bit, put a little bit of energy. And unfortunately the, the litmus test that many millennials, at least in my industry are given is if you're not putting in the hours, you're not worth the aggravation because we, most people in the hospitality world grew up in the hospital. You don't just show up in hospitality in your forties. Sure. You, you, you worked at a restaurant when you were in high school or you had a family member or you, you got stuck being in a catering company or, or you were valet parking, but you, you don't just show up in the hospitality industry in your forties. You grew up in it. And, and when we see young people trying to break into it and they just expect everything that you have after having been in the industry for 20 years, it makes it really difficult when you say to somebody, do it my way. 
learn this way, learn the craft. Once you've learned it, come back to me and give me your opinion. If you've got something better, I'm all ears to listen. Mm -hmm. Don't challenge me because your way is just easier. There must be a reason we've been doing it this way in our company, in our business, in our whatever for decades. Yeah. And that is a really challenging thing in, in this proverbial generation gap that we're dancing around right now. It, it's a huge challenge. And to be honest, I think it's a huge threat because I see so many in my generation who will come into an industry that's existed far longer than we've ever been alive. We ask questions when we don't have answers to those questions. We say, well, we can do it better. And we create our own companies. So 65% of millennials want to start their own business one day. I wrote a whole book about it. It's called The Millennial Entrepreneur because I was fascinated as myself an entrepreneur and being a millennial, I wanted to know, am I running a business differently than my parents' generation? My parents uh, used to run restaurants, they're restaurateurs, they got into the roofing and construction business. And so they, my dad's never had a boss. He's owned his own company since he was 21. And recognizing how I'm running my business is very different than how my parents were running their business. I started to ask some of these questions and in finding so many millennials want to start their own business, it started to scare me in an economic way, as well as just looking at industries overall. Cause I speak at industry conferences around the world to talk about what is the trend look like with millennials in charge. And if we have a generation who isn't really willing to, in your kind of terms, learn the ropes so that way they can change the ropes course, we see a generation kind of going out there without the context of the wisdom of why things are being done the way that they're being done. And so when we develop coaching programs and we help organizations, like we've worked a lot with the military, you have a young generation coming in saying, why is it done this way? Why isn't it done that way? Why isn't there an app for this? helping them learn how to ask the right questions, learn why things are being done. And if there's a better way, then you at least have a context. You have a history lesson versus just going out there and trying something on your own without that really important context. So how do you bridge that gap when, when the young person just doesn't get it? They don't see the validity of it has to be their way or no way. Sure. Um, I, I listen, I, my kids are amazing. They, my, my son, David was, uh, I, I really had no idea what he was going to do when he was 15 years old. By the time he was 18, he was half running my company and had his own clients. Mm -hmm. And I ran a great 10 year run with him, watching him grow into being a great photographer until he picked up and he moved to Denver. And you know what, uh, David, if you're listening to this broadcast, we just came off a great month together doing a job together in, um, in Utah and another one in Austin, Texas. And he has found a happiness in his soul. I couldn't be happier as a parent. Yeah. My daughter, on the other hand, 26 years old, was one of my most important employees before COVID, my only employee during COVID. Yeah. And here we are recognizing that our industry is going to start up again in the next few months. Sure. And she's questioning every old procedure, analog way of doing anything. And, and throw, she's going to take on responsibilities for her employees that are no longer in the company because they've moved on. And, and instead of embracing what we did and why we did it for so long, she wants to just buy the new machine and start the new machine, which I'm all for as dad, as owner, as, as someone who trusts this employee. I just need them. I feel, tell me if I'm wrong. I feel that 
I need that employee. Forget about the fact that we have the same last name. I need that aggressive employee to understand why they're standing on my foundation sure. before I can just take off the handcuffs and let them loose to do whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, and, it's and, the difference between the way you run your business and your parents ran their business. Right. Right. And I think that so much of that can be summarized with the term respect. And as I've studied millennials, I've been researching, studying, speaking on millennials for over 13 years. And what I've learned is that different generations view different terms differently. The word leadership means something different to your generation than it does to mine. The word career means something different to your generation than it does to mine. And so does the word respect. So our generation really sees uh, respect as a two-way street, whereas older generations see respect as something that's earned. Millennials see respect as something that's to be expected. And so we come in with new ideas and, and in a world where our iPhone changes out every 12 months. So why wouldn't the, you know, the software that we're using or the apps that we've downloaded or the processes that we've, that we've developed, why wouldn't those also to change every 12 months? So, so much of it really does come down to expectations. So setting expectations around what's appropriate, what isn't appropriate, and when you need to have those conversations. But also too, one of my favorite things to do is if I have someone coming into my company who is a millennial and has kind of some of those same characteristics, and which is amazing. You want someone asking why. You want someone engaged. You want someone who is asking questions. I'll oftentimes tell our clients, if your millennials stop asking questions, that's when you need to get concerned because that's probably when they're looking for a new job. You want an inquisitive employee because that means that they're engaged in problem solving, which is really important. Oftentimes, I'll tell my employee if they're asking lots of questions, hey, why don't you put yourself in my position? And I want you to respond to that challenge, the question you just provided to me, whatever the situation is at hand, and say, how would you respond in my situation? And it causes them to get out of their position as being kind of the inquisitor, the one asking the questions, and to put themselves in the executive role to say, oh, maybe it's been too expensive, or we tried it in the past, or, uh, you know, it's something that just didn't quite make sense at this time. We had other projects, we had other priorities. Um, Because this is a generation that's going to have to step up into leadership sooner than many of us think. And, and uh, creating opportunities for this generation to critically think and problem solve, I think is one of the most important responsibilities a leader or a manager or even an owner can have right now. I think your words should be really etched in stone. I think you've really landed on some incredible key points. And I, I got to commend you for being a millennial and the way you speak about your people, your your generation, I wonder how many of those people look at you and push back. Like, how does she know about me? She's one of me. Um, I remember when I was your age that I was the lead photographer for the photography conferences that would come to town. And I was the guy that was being hired to photograph the conference in the special events world. uh, My wife and I, we were the photographers for the events conference. I always figured when you got to that level, you must've been doing something right here. You are, you're 33 years old. You have completely been kicking ass for for almost 15 years, 13 years. Um, You've been on, you're doing Ted talks. What was that accomplishment? Like I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was, um, we're just getting ready to do our second. So my second, uh, my husband's first. So I run the company with my husband, which we could probably do like a whole other 
podcast on working with family. Um, we can, which we can do that one together. We could be co-host to each other's show on that one. Yeah, I know. It's it's a ton of fun though. It really is. And uh, yeah, I mean, doing, doing a TED Talk was really just a kind of a, a dream come true. And certainly I think a challenge as someone who speaks uh, for a lot of my living, which is typically in 60 minute seg- segments, being given 18 minutes to come up with an idea worth sharing and articulate it in a way that I think um, shares my spin on it, my perspective and my solution, uh, I think was is certainly a, a challenge. So um, that was on um, the needed adaptability of the millennial generation. Uh, it's really a lot about how... That's a um, nice light subject. Yeah, um, about how our generation, we're oftentimes called the hero generation, but to be the hero generation, we have to have something to save and we have to be ready to save it. So I, I have a very, I think probably different perspective than a lot of people who talk about millennials because not only am I millennial and have I been writing about millennials for so long, um, I also too, I think challenge my generation to go beyond blaming and into doing something about it. Uh, And so that's what my last TED talk about is about and this next TED talk is, is, um, is about purpose. And so some of the myths that we have around finding purpose and, and some of the key strategies that we ourselves have used to find our own purpose and how we help people find their purpose as well. So you spent some time in Northern Virginia, right outside of the DC area, just like I am in Maryland. And I do everything in my power to avoid politics on my broadcast uh, at, at almost all costs. But I'm going to voluntarily pull politics into this conversation because I think you've struck on something very interesting and I would love your perspective on it. Uh, I've been working on Capitol Hill for most of my career. Most of the 75 and 80 year olds that are running our country right now, I remember them when they were in their 40s and 50s and they don't belong there anymore. That doesn't mean I don't think they're doing a good job. I just think that If I'm anything less than 60 years old and I'm looking at everybody running my country that are over 75, um, there's a disconnect between me believing that my grandparents should be running the country. In the same context, um, in the 2018 midterms, I was thrilled not only to see how many women were elected to uh, Congress, but how many young people. When I say young people, I'm going to throw that as anything under 40 years old. Absolutely. I would love to get your perspective. And and if you ever have those moments when you're halfway between excited for a millennial achievement and your knees start to knock before somebody steps on a landmine and does something stupid that millennials are going to be judged by. And I'm asking this pertaining to young people now being involved with our Congress um, and what you're seeing happening on Capitol Hill with all the turmoil. This does not have to be a conversation about left or right. I'm really talking about young and young and old. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important that there's fresh eyes and fresh blood in any organization, in particular our government. And especially with our elected officials, they represent the country. Not everyone is in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so if you don't have people who represent folks in this country, which millennials are the largest generation in this country, there's 83 million of us, I think it really is, you know, right about time that this generation really does step into step into leadership. And and my big passion and what I tell people my purpose is, is I'm all about generational reconciliation. 
I'm not going to come into an organization and tell them everything they're doing is wrong and they have to change everything and put bean bags everywhere and, you know, a kombucha machine and whatever, just to make themselves more millennial friendly it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, with that reconciliation of different generations coming together because we cannot run a country, run a company or run a conference with only one generational perspective. It really is. How do we bring in the wisdom, the experience, the expertise of those who've been around, long enough and then the insight the excitement and I think the energy of a younger generation that's always when the best things happen that's when we all have the most amount of fun that's when we see um, representation and involvement and diversity and all the values that I think many of us are are really excited about and and I think that that's what I get excited about when I see young people getting involved in in government and beyond because I, I think that there's a huge opportunity and a huge platform for my generation to really step up and be the leaders that I think we've expected and wanted for such a long time. I, I think that's amazing. Um, I'm right now in the middle of putting together a Zoom forum panel live interaction. We're still working on the format for the Millennial Bride, who's tired of canceling and postponing the wedding. The ones. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my, my niece and my nephew have both been trying to get married for the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not just my profession, but I'm dealing with my family as well. But we're starting, uh, we're, we're putting this program together for next month. And, and one of the things is to, at least one of the challenges we're concerned about in our industry is that so many struggling entrepreneurs are going to go back into business undercapitalized and how that, and how that could affect uh, any level of domino effect for people that are hiring those services uh, in the coming months and years. And uh, well, I would love to have you on as a guest to talk to the millennial couples about how to just not barrel through and make haste decisions uh, and, and actually listen and look at reviews and, and follow the history behind the disciplines that they're trying to employ so that they can be more secure in their decisions for their, whether it's a corporate event or a wedding or whatever it might be, uh, whatever you have been doing, uh, Gabrielle, you, you have really found the pathway, the words to reach millennials. You're reaching it to me. And I, I, I work with millennials every day. I have 35, we call them weekend warriors. Um, when, when business was normal in 2019, uh, we have four or five full-time employees and we have 30 or 40 that are our weekend warriors and they're 18 to 30 years old, yep. uh, maybe 32, 33, but, but I deal with all these same issues that we're talking about and you really seem to have packaged it perfectly. I give you tremendous props for that. Thank you. Well, I certainly appreciate it. I mean, I think um, it's not only the industry that we're talking to right now, folks in events, leading events, um, running events, um, benefiting from events and in the overall hospitality space. I think that this conversation around how do we go from here? How do we engage multiple generations? How do we stop being frustrated with what's wrong with them and start to engage them and train them for leadership too? I get so excited about that because uh, I see my generation missing out on a lot of amazing mentorship opportunities, career opportunities, income opportunities, simply because we don't have the context um, that maybe older generations have. And I also too see the opportunity 
opposite is true that a lot of organizations and smaller shops miss out on the excitement of the younger generation and the creativity and the technology and all of that that we bring to the table. So um, I'm so honored to be a, a part of this conversation and I'm glad it's been it's been helpful. I've had a ton of fun doing it. And please, I mean, let me know however I can uh, help support you guys, your industry, the conversation, all of it. Give us, uh, as we close up here uh, and, and back at you, I really, this has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, you're an incredibly engaging person to to talk to, and, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. What is the best way for people to get to know more about you, the Purpose Company, the way to get involved with your organization, how to reach out to you? Sure. Yeah. So I'm very active on social media. So for the Facebook livers um, that you tagged me in, I'm very active on Facebook at Gabrielle Boucher, on Instagram at Gabrielle Boucher, on LinkedIn at Gabrielle Boucher, or if all of those don't fail, um, you can uh, check out um, myself and my husband at brianandgab.com. And you can see some of our books. You can see our speaking engagements and what we get to do for companies. So brianandgab.com. That's really awesome. Well, Gabrielle, again, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, we welcome you back anytime. Good luck with your next TED Talk. And it's been an absolute pleasure to the listening audience. Hey, I'm Jack Hartsman, your host, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.